1: In just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
0: At Popular Science, we report and write dozens of science and tech stories every week. And while most of the things we find end up in our articles, we also come across plenty of weird facts that we just keep around the office. So we figured, why not share those with you? Welcome to The Weirdest Thing I Learned This Week, a podcast from the editors of Popular Science. I'm Rachel Feltman. I'm Amy Schellenbaum. And I'm Eleanor Cummins. And Eleanor is very upset already. Yes. So, listeners i'm gonna I'm slowly transitioning out of the whisper because I feel like I'm just going to scream accidentally, <laughs> usually on the weirdest thing I learned this week, we offer up little teases and share little facts and spin them into crazy stories, little science yarns, if you will, and we vote on which one was the weirdest thing we learned this week. But this week we're diving into a feature package that Eleanor wrote for our latest print issue. Yes, we make a print magazine four times a year it's pretty excellent. And the topic, as you may have guessed, is ASMR. (laughs) That was so good. ASMR is this internet phenomenon where people seek out videos that have like sounds of hair brushing and whispering and chewing and things like cosplay, all because it gives them an unusual and by all accounts soothing physical sensation. And listeners, don't worry if you don't like ASMR, which we will get into discussing very shortly, you're not alone. This episode is not actually going to be full of intentional ASMR triggers. We're going to go through and take apart some of the really fascinating things we learned while Eleanor reported and wrote this package on ASMR and our colleague Amy Schellenbaum, who is an Hi. Longtime ASMR enthusiast. It's true. Is going to jump in with questions as she has them. And so we're just going to really like take you into this sonic exploration of this beautiful print piece that we're all really proud of. And hopefully you can uh, pick up a copy on newsstands and check it out for yourself. It's beautiful to see and experience, but we thought it would be a shame to not talk about some noises with our mouth sounds. We will do some ASMR somewhere in the middle of the episode, but we will give you fair warning so you can skip ahead if you don't want to hear us chew on stuff. (laughs) Oh, Eleanor. Hello. Why don't you kick us off by telling us, like, what made you pitch this to me? Because I know that we talked about it for some time before it actually came to be.
2: Yeah. So I have self-diagnosed with this thing called misophonia, which is a severe aversion to specific sound triggers like mouth sounds that people make when they're whispering into a microphone or eating food. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) And um, it's very painful and bad. But I talk about it all the time with people because I'm trying to be like more like, yeah, this is just me. Like, sorry that I'm physically recoiling. (laughs) And I was talking to one of my friends about it. And I knew that I had already wanted to write a a story about it because we had this noise issue coming up. But she kept saying, like, you know, like, what is this misophonia thing? Like, everyone keeps talking about it. Like, I don't understand. And I reflexively was just like, well, it's because we're persecuted by the ASMR people. (laughs) And the more I thought about it, the more I was like, wait, is that kind of what's going on here? And so I started looking into it. And it turns out that mysophonia and ASMR, which stands for autosensory meridian response, and is sort of the complete opposite of mysophonia in that you love certain sound triggers like people whispering. They give you the shivers. Yeah, they give you this amazing, as it's called, brain orgasm. No. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I really hate that. Amy
0: speaks for many members of the ASMR community who would really like them to stop being referred to as brain orgasms.
2: Yeah, not a popular term. But anyway, it turns out that these things that seem very distinct and and almost like polar opposites may be related and that by kind of studying them together we could better understand and what makes people love sound and potentially like all chill out the way that asmr people get to when they're hearing their favorite videos that's dope I was talking to a researcher named Nick Davis, who was sort of the advisor to Emma Barrett, who published the first peer-reviewed article on ASMR in 2015. And so they were at Swansea University. And he was like, yeah. I was so uncomfortable when Emma brought this to me. <laughs> Quote, I literally pulled this out of our interview. She started bringing up all these videos of beautiful Russian women whispering, and I thought, this is really weird, and I don't want this on my university computer.
0: <laughs> right, right. But, but, well, and that's a great intro to talk about. Like, you know, one of the reasons this this package is so fantastic is that the research is really in its infancy for both of these phenomena. and part of that prop. I mean, so it's something that didn't get a lot of attention for a long time and really like came to public attention during the age of the internet. But then there was a lag with the research because it had first come into the public consciousness on the internet. So it was like, oh, this weird that on YouTube, you're certainly not doing your dissertation on that. And it took pioneers like Emma Barrett to say, Yes, I am.
2: <laughs> totally. Yeah. I mean, there are probably like a million other people like Nick Davis who just didn't get over it and start <laughs> looking into it. And one of the the researchers I talked to, Agnieszka Janik-Mickerleen, she was talking about how she really struggled to get her study published for two years because everyone was just like this really weird sex fetish like is not science and she was like no this is one it's not sexual also sex can be studied scientifically Uh, yeah
0: i was like first of all the weird sex fetishes are science
2: yes and then also three like this is an objective phenomenon that we see like similar patterns in people across cultures like when we look at this it it is real and demonstrable and still you know publications were just like this is like some weird youtube thing and and, like we can't this isn't science and we can't validate it and like we don't care
0: well even the reason the name is like really pseudosciencey And kind of a subject of debate is that it was named by like an enthusiast, not a researcher.
2: Yeah. In 2010, this woman named Jennifer Young, who, as far as I can tell, is a cybersecurity professional in Canada, you know, not a neurologist or psychiatrist or anything. She started a Facebook group for other people who were experiencing this sensation. And so she just named it ASMR, Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response Group. And that's literally where the name comes from. Like, it is not from the scientific literature at all. It was just people trying to stop people from calling it brain orgasm. Yeah. yeah what I, I
0: lo- what I loved was finding out that, because during the course of edits, someone at some point was like, we need to explain why the word meridian isn't here. Mm. And it was because... She was looking for something vague to replace the concept of an orgasm. And she chose meridian in terms of, like, being at a great height, like a climax. Oh, Lord. Yeah. And
3: that that has kind of... I was hoping it was, like, energy meridians or something. No, I
0: I assume that as well. But it apparently referred to kind of like a vague take on the definition of the word meridian, using it to mean something that doesn't actually mean... Which, again, is fine. Like, yeah. somebody needed to name it. ASMR is a great acronym. But it's true that the ASMR just has, like, it, it's kind of a meaningless string of
2: words. Definitely. And to your point, like, it is so under-researched. Misophonia as well. Like, we don't even know how many people experience ASMR at this point. Also, we don't understand how much of it is kind of like a spectrum. Like, mm-hmm. it it is very unlikely that there are people who experience no positive sort of sensations from sounds or exclusively negative, you know, Mm -hmm. experiences from sounds. And so we're still trying to, like, map this. But what we do know is that people probably do all experience ASMR to some degree. And the classic example of this is, like, if you've ever gotten a haircut and thought, like, dang, that felt great. Like, that is sort of – that's, like, the very, you know, basic, minimal – in person introduction to what people can experience with these videos. So, mm-hmm. Amy, since you experience it, I do not. I experience the opposite. I hate it. Mm-hmm. What is it like? I've heard it described as like a tingling on your scalp. I guess maybe, but it's mostly it's mostly
3: just very comforting. It's mm-hmm. like your mom brushing your hair, or I don't know. It's like it's like really to me. It feels like like warmth and mm-hmm. just really soothing, not necessarily tingly, I think, like, at some point that was, I mean, I don't know, I feel like I haven't experienced that in a while, but, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. But it's mostly just this universally sort of, like, pleasant,
2: that sounds so nice. soft
3: feeling. And, it, and it, you know, to your point about it being, like, a spectrum, like, there are certain sounds that I really do not like, including sounds that are, like, ASMR sounds, or that are often considered ASMR sounds, like, I don't really like mouth sounds either. Mm-hmm. I really do not like sounds of people eating. Good mm-hmm. thing I brought this pickle to eat. Yeah, uh, uh, thanks, <laughs> <Right>. Rachel. <laughs> but like, there's a lot of like, like a like a serum dropper bottle. The way that it like clinks against the the neck of the bottle, like that, just sounds so wow nice to me. And it's not. It's really not about necessarily sounds people make with their own bodies. I don't find that to be particularly soothing. Yeah, it's all it's all stuff that I feel like. To me, at least, like, it's connected to, like, somebody taking care of me. And I yeah. wonder if, like, that has something to do with the fact that, like, if ASMR is more frequently experienced in women who don't have sort of, like, caretakers in the way that maybe Mm. men might grow up and have caretakers in their wives or spouses interesting Mm -hmm. but it's kind it's kind of i don't know if that's the same thing as like the tingle response or if that is just enjoying sounds
2: yeah so i was talking to gb asmr right who is like the (laughs) like undefeated (laughs) champion of asmr videos ASMR artist yes the ultimate and so she was saying that she has, like, a range of reactions to different sounds. And there are some things that will just give her that, like, pure tingling sensation that she thinks is what other people are talking about. But that, like, the videos that she likes the most and returns to often are the ones that just give her that warm feeling you're talking about. Right. And that, like, yeah, even just for an individual person, like, there is such a spectrum there in terms of what you respond to. And it changes and it's kind of contextual. Like, she was saying, you know, she's like I, she was basically like, I consume ASMR content all day long. And then I also make it. And, you know, like during the day, like you'll want something different than at night when you're trying to go to sleep. Right. Then you, Mm -hmm. you know, pick a completely different set of sounds. And so it's very, yeah, it's very interesting how varied it can be. Yeah. Well,
0: and like one thing that didn't fit in anywhere in the package, but that I've been thinking about ever since I read about it like three years ago, is that there are ASMR videos of all genres. I mean, there's obviously porn, like makes sense but there's also is AS-
3: asmr porn See, I don't oh even yeah know anything
0: yeah and there's also relatedly and i've seen i've seen this on the subway there's relatedly like point of view personal attention videos yeah so like i've once i looked down on the subway and a guy was watching a video that was just like from the perspective of someone who was being like led around by a beautiful woman on a beach
3: yeah. And she kept like oh. leaning close and. I so, was not like, even like people talking to a mic with ears on it. Like, yeah. But, like, actually like moving yeah. around.
0: Yeah. And personal attention videos do come up in the package as like something that may be the same phenomenon as ASMR, but we know so little about ASMR that it's impossible to say right now. But ASMR enthusiasts and content creators do definitely, in some cases, lump these together, where, like, ASMR videos aren't always about sound anymore. Sometimes it's, like, someone's making intense eye contact with you and talking to you really gently, Mm -hmm. and it's just about that, like, intense personal focus and that people say that gives them, like, the same kind of warm fuzzies. And, yeah, I have at least this one guy on the subway next to me one time is an avid consumer (laughs) of of point-of-view personal attention videos, and it was, like, it was not explicit it definitely felt porny, though. It was a very sensuous little film.
3: Interesting. Yeah. I mean, but there's it's also a- like is a is a sensuous little film. I mean, we've had first person shooters for a long time. Yeah, oh, totally. And it's like I didn't I don't have
0: know. a problem with him watching yeah. it on the subway. There were mean. no there were no like boobs out or whatever. It was fine. I but love I was watching, like
3: watching <laughs> men consume content on their phones on the subway. They're always like looking at like. Porny, weird Instagram accounts or like catalogs, and I'm like, this is sorry, this is a dress catalog, (laughs) (laughs)
2: like Lands End, yeah, (laughs) like Instagram influencers.
3: But the
0: thing that I read an article about a while back was ASMR horror videos. Yes, they're huge. Yeah, there was one that I I watched out of curiosity. Yeah, Amy doesn't like it. (laughs) That there was one I watched like to feed my curiosity. That was like. It was, like, the horror take on, like, a You're Getting Your Haircut video. Yeah. Where you wake up and a mad scientist is, like, performing an autopsy while you're still alive. Yeah. And, like, speaking gently to you with vocal fry as he, like, buzzes into your skull. <laughs> and he was, like, I, I, like, I can think of one friend who probably would be really into it, <laughs> but it is the sex thing. And, like, it just is fascinating how many different moods people, like, seek to be have triggered by ASMR.
2: One of the things I was talking about with Craig Richard, who is the founder of ASMR University, which is sort of this, like, clearinghouse for, like, all things ASMR. Like, this guy is on it. Like, (laughs) you go to this site and it's, like, every single thing that's ever been published or not yet published. And he was like, you know, what do all of these ASMR videos have in in common besides some sort of allegedly triggering sound? And it's hands. And he was just like, you know, like, there are all of these unexplored visual Mm. connotations of ASMR as well Mm -hmm. that we, like, we don't even have the sound part characterized. Like, we're so far away from getting to this, but, like, this will be the next stage of research. is like, what does it mean, you know, to have these, like, the classic internet hands, right, that, like, kind of come in and out of the frame as part of the sense of, like, personal attention. Like, people will put their hands up toward, you know, the camera, like, as they're whispering. And, like, does that bring you more in? Like, you know, how are all of these sort of different senses of Eleanor's touch. Eleanor's making and,
0: great hand gestures right now. Thank you. I
2: wish everyone could enjoy this. It's very calming. <laughs> but yeah, so that was that was one thing that he was just like, you know, like stage two of mm. ASMR research in like okay. 10 more years. We'll need to look at this kind of interplay. One of the things that didn't make it into the story that is a public service announcement (laughs) is that when you Google mysophonia, the first thing you pull up is a 23andMe report that says that they've found, like, the Mm. genetic origin of mysophonia. I just wanted to say they haven't. The genetic testing company is claiming that they've identified a single variant called RS2937573 that increases a person's risk of, quote, being filled with rage when others chew <laughs> but i talked to a psychiatrist at the academic medical center in amsterdam named damien dennis who literally called this a hoax <laughs> which is a great choice of words i thought that was very funny i tried not to laugh on the phone but he was like it's based on a genome-wide association study which is a very common way of looking for trends in dna of people who report certain characteristics but it's not typically seen as like reliable on its own it's mm-hmm. like the first step in a yeah. research process, right? So basically, he was like, there's way too much statistical noise, you know, to ever say that we've found the thing. And then he was also like, most conditions just generally in life are too complex to tie to a single snippet of your genome. And so I just think that, you know, every researcher I talked to about this was kind of like, this seems misleading. And while it may not, you know, be especially harmful to believe this, I think it's just good to remember that as these things come out about ASMR probably too in the future, our DNA is not just going to reveal ourselves to us. Like yeah. things are always a little more mysterious than that.
0: So why don't you talk a little bit about the kind of like the crux of the main essay in this package is like maybe ASMR and misophonia are two sides of the same coin. And so like what are some of the the mechanisms that are being investigated for causing those, like, seemingly diametrically opposed triggers.
2: Yeah. So I talked with, as I said, Nick Davis, and then he worked with Emma Barrett, and then Dr. Mickerleen. They were all sort of researching ASMR at the same time, 2014, 2015. They started looking at this question scientifically. And, you know, that early work was identifying key triggers. And so what came up in both of them is, like, whispering, this sort of broad concept of personal attention, crisp sounds. Those were all things that people seemed to really enjoy. And then they were finding this strange thing where a lot of the people in their sample who self-reported ASMR and then were observed experiencing ASMR also reported hating a lot of sounds too. <laughs> and so they kind of set this aside and then Dr. Migrelin came back to it and she was like, you know, I really want to know what's going on here because the numbers were just kind of crazy. So when Migrelin and I were on the phone, she was telling you how she discovered that 36% of people with self-reported ASMR had severe misophonia compared to 22% of people without ASMR in her study. Mm-hmm. Um, and severe misophonia is like the kind that like you typically need some sort of help to cope with. There's no cure for misophonia. Like, you can't cure sounds, but you can talk to people about, you know, using, like, stress balls instead of, mm-hmm. like, screaming at people eating, <laughs> which is something we've all considered. So Anna Hunch, having seen this in her... Population, You know, it's sort of like a normal correlation. It doesn't stand out too much. But what she decided to do was separately test a group of college students, and she found that among those participants who experienced ASMR but didn't seek out triggering videos, 70.8% had clinically significant misophonia. so almost twice as many as in the other population. And what that suggested to her was that for these people, the discomfort that they experienced because of their misophonia outweighed any of the benefits of the tingles that they were capable of of feeling. Mm. And so they, they kind of had the capacity for both this calming sensation and this sort of like misophonic rage. And the misophonia was just so intense that they were never going to try to listen to ASMR videos. Sure. Yeah, And so then what scientists are trying to do now is see what kind of connections there are between the two. So we know, for example, that both are affecting the nervous system as far as we can tell. And they also appear to be altering brain function in some way. So we're, you know, trying to probe this deeper and and understand how they might be related. In terms of, like, the nervous system, like, what we find is that for people with mysophonia, when they're experiencing their triggers, like someone eating around them, their heart rate will rise as well as their, like, skin conductivity. So Mm -hmm. that's, like, sort of the sweat on your fingertips, which is an indication of arousal. Not necessarily in a sexual way, but, like, just, just, you know, your body is, like is reacting to the world. Yeah. And then on the flip side for ASMR, your heart rate lowers, but your skin conductivity also increases. And so there's this thinking that maybe what that indicates is that ASMR is actually like kind of working you up, but in this mm-hmm. way that feels soothing. So you can be experiencing the same sort of biological phenomenon, but the way your brain is interpreting that is like Mm -hmm. wildly different. Then we've also looked through fMRI studies of kind of, and brain imaging studies of what's kind of going on in the brain. And we're finding that potentially for mysophonia, and maybe we may one day discover ASMR as well, there's this role of interoceptive awareness going on. So that's sort of like called your sixth sense. And it's your sense of your own body's internal state. Mm -hmm. And with mysophonia, they think that maybe people who have it have very hyper-aware interoceptive capacity, but they're kind of misinterpreting the data. So like even before you consciously register a sound, it may be activating your body and and creating this kind of fight or flight response that people talk about. And so now the question is like, is the same thing potentially happening with ASMR where you're so in tune with your body in a way that maybe other people are not that you're kind of hyper aware of these things that maybe everybody is experiencing, but you just like zone in on them and that related to mickrelin's original study where she was trying to identify asmr triggers she was also looking at the personality traits of people with asmr and she found that on the big five index right which is this thing that's like neuroticism openness to experience etc like i believe people with asmr had really high openness to experience Mm. which just sort of shows like this interesting interplay in their biological capacity for experiencing sounds and their like attitude and personality and the way that they approach the world so the question now is like if we because it's strange yeah
3: and if you if you if you like accept that about yourself it's a lot harder yeah it can be
2: yeah yeah and that's I think why people are very frustrated by the question of like is it, is it sex? It's because it's like, well it is kind of weird but like I'm I'm like okay with it and it's great and I enjoy it and, and like it doesn't have to be like problematized or like you know made into a taboo but this is something that yeah the, the community has been overcoming and I mean like in a big way. Like, one of the stats we have in there is that as of 2018 I think there were 13 million ASMR videos mm-hmm. on YouTube mm-hmm. like they're doing okay now. <laughs>
0: So maybe we'll take a wee interlude now to share some some ASMR noises with our listeners. Eleanor's gonna die. <laughs> She's not ready. I am not. So let's see. We have some supplies here. We talk about the, like, subgenre of mukbang, which is, like, a Korean video where people eat just, like, tons of food into a microphone.
3: It's not a subgenre. It's actually a completely different thing. It's meant to be—it's not meant to be about the sounds at all. It's about—sometimes they, like, combine them, but uh, it's a—it developed, I believe, completely separately. And it's more like you're having lunch with your friends. And people are lonely. It's very I contested it. it. of whether yeah.
2: mukbang is ASMR and, like, how they relate. Because a lot of people now are marketing their mukbang as ASMR. Correct. And saying that that is what they Because if you're similar, on well, similar, similar sensation And it
0: loops into the whole personal attention video thing, right. too. right. Regardless, I was going to get some Korean food. I was going to get some chewy rice cakes to eat into this microphone. And I was told that it was too early for lunch, which was extremely... Rude, but I do have some gummy candy, which is another one that got talked about as an ASMR trigger in the course of us researching and and creating this package. And that one was surprising to me. I don't think of myself as being sensitive to sound, but I was like, surely no one likes the chewy mouth sounds. (laughs) Yeah. I did get also get a very crisp pickle. Because I can understand the crunchy mouth sounds. A uh, even just
3: the, the packaging is oh, good.
0: Oh yeah, we we have some packages, and we have, of course, a, ma- a magazine with with pages. We also have a hairbrush, and then there are all the different noises you can make with your fingers. Oh no, you were doing some lovely fluttering earlier. Yeah, I How liked, liked it. it.
2: I learned it was this nice. from GB. Oh my gosh! <gasps> she just like flutters her fingers into the microphone. My knuckles are too big. I can't. <laughs>
3: Like, the, yeah, look up, like I can't, like, get your reach to my tips together. and my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> That's messed up. Why are my hands like this?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then another one that comes up as both a bad trigger and as a good trigger is knuckle cracking, which, like, I, I guess I can hear how that might be good or bad. I don't really like it, but it's not the worst. We have a hairbrush.
2: Yeah. Oh, I'll do this one. I love it. <laughs> The sound of my hair being brushed. Let me find my hair.
0: Also, it's like, it's so great. It's her sound. It's so great seeing the different mic setups. People, like, will have mics covered in, like, dust covers, and they brush the, like, fluffy dust cover like it's hair. Mm -hmm. I love it.
2: Okay, here's my hair being brushed. Yeah. Oh, my God.
3: Yeah, I think that's nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is really nice. Wow.
0: Wow, that felt
2: great. I feel good. <laughs> you and look then... nice too. <laughs> Thank
0: you. <laughs> and then, you know, there's various like tapping. Tapping is a controversial one. But...
3: Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that seems one of the most one of the more benign ones to me. I guess I can depend on like I
0: could see if you if you like tapping something with like big acrylic nails. I think right. it's more it's more about the like the style of the tap.
3: I think that's nice. Thanks. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a <laughs> it's nice.
0: like a rain stick. <laughs> And then, you know, you have various, like, packaging. You can have, like, crinkly... Ooh, there's a lot of sounds in here because these are Sour Patch Kids. Okay. So, yeah, you, these are Sour Patch Kids, so there's, like, powder inside. Oh! <gasps> wow. This is a whole new...
2: Now whole new Rachel, you're well. innovating! <laughs> also (laughs) what's inside this makes
3: me want to die yeah I took my headphones off for this one (laughs) alright yeah that that would the the food chewing stuff like (laughs) that does put me into a bit of a rage although I think like This sound is probably going to be good. (laughs) I want to get a A lot of (laughs) buildup. Amy's like, hell yeah. (laughs) I like it. It's satisfying. It's not like a mushy sound. Right.
0: Which is not something I... Even when I was the one... And it's the
3: sound of the pickle. It's not the sound of your mouth.
0: That is key. When I was chewing this Hour Patch Kids, I didn't like it. (laughs) It may have made me like Sour Patch Kids less to hear that in my headphones as I ate them.
2: This eater writer recently did a piece about, like, why is everything in television so loud when people are eating? And they were like, I have misophonia. Why are all of the Roy's on Succession, like, chomping on chicken at, like, a billion decibels? And I was like, I've never related to reporting more than this. Okay, I'm going to stop eating this pickle. So now we will cease with the ASMR Examples. Yeah, yeah in, the, in the book, the magazine. Honestly, the Sour Patch Kids powder
0: was my favorite sound of all the, mm-hmm. all the sounds. Do you want me to a do this magazine?
1: Hit. Yes, please. That's
3: very nice. Well, because it's also s- it's associated with uh, things, you know, certainly... We four really like winners.
2: <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I thought was interesting about mysophonia is that, like, it is very much like per- it's personally felt. In that, like, you won't typically react to like a baby crying, right. but like if an adult made that sound, you'd be like, "What is wrong with you?" <laughs> yeah. Right. And so it's kind of moralistic in that way. Mm. And which is something I've been working on accepting since this therapist who works with mysophonia patients was like, yeah, like it's kind of judgmental. Like it really is. Your triggers are not as as universal as you think. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if the same is true for ASMR, right? Like contextually,
3: the same thing is not
2: always going to make you feel great. Just Mm -hmm. because a
3: lot of it, it like has to be really intentional. You can't like it's like tickling, right? Like it becomes very unpleasant when you do not want to be tickled. yeah. Yeah. You know, like when you're an adult, you're like, "Don't,
2: don't tickle me." <laughs> <laughs> totally, yeah. and it also has to be done so gently to make mm. it to really highlight the sounds and minimize like the interference. Like GB was telling me that she is, like, a really loud person. And I I could tell this on the phone. Like, she's Mm -hmm. a wonderful person to talk to. But she was like, yeah, when I told my family I was going to do this, they were all like, what's wrong with you? You can never make this work. Like, you're, like, a crazy (laughs) person. You're so loud and annoying. And she was like, it's been, like, a really intentional effort to slow myself down and to behave in this kind of controlled way that these videos actually Mm -hmm. come across as peaceful. Yeah. So I thought that that was interesting, that even ASMR artists are, like, fighting the good fight to be calm yeah yeah that's key it's peaceful is really
0: yeah well and the kind of the the conclusion of the the main article in the package is like could we harness whatever is working about ASMR for people who love it and enjoy it not just to help people with misophonia but to actually make everybody calmer
2: yeah tell people cope
3: with life
0: yeah. Definitely.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. I need help. It's crazy that people with ASMR are just able to sort of like turn on a YouTube video. Like that's amazing. And it would be great if that was available to everybody. And, um, you know, one of the, the therapists that I spoke to who works with mysophonic patients was like, I know at least one of my patients is using ASMR to cope with their mysophonia. Like, mm. they find the sounds that make them happy. And I, it would just be so cool if, like, we all could, like, chill out and just, like, listen to our, like, happy trigger sounds, you yeah. know?
0: that'd be great. We, should, we all just need to find our happy triggers.
2: Yes. That's That's what what the, is that is about. what we're trying to tell weirdest thing listeners. <laughs> find your happy triggers, yeah. like hair brushing, which I'm going to go back to. Immediately after this is over. Yeah,
0: well, I remember when, like, the the main reason I was upset when Chris Pratt and Anna Ferris broke up, mm. the reason I had thought, like, I had them in my mind as a celebrity couple that I, like, they were my ride or die yeah. is because he talked about French braiding her hair every night before bed because it's something her mom used to do. And oh. I was like, that is the most romantic sensual Sweet. intimate experience i've ever heard of in my life and it's true that like you know someone fixing your hair for you before bed is so intimate and something that like you know generally we don't do for one another as adults so go find somebody's hair to braid is what yeah. i'm saying
2: yeah it's like be childlike again in that way being like soft and sensitive to other people yeah That's why we love coloring books too yes yeah, millennials are on that. We're like bringing back childhood. Yeah, Play-Doh slime is a huge ASMR. Yeah, like what's that about? If not yeah, trying to be like four again? Either. Really, the squishiness. <laughs> like no. the yeah, I like really cool.
3: clear, clean, crisp, crisp sounds that I associate
2: with things I like. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing was that when I talked to all of these people, I always ask them like what question do you most want to answer since there's so little research at this point like you know what's the next big thing coming for you and so they all had different things like you know one of the things was about cultural differences like mukbang like we've already talked about but you know they also said like the the hand movements thing is a big one one of the things is that people really want to nail down the mechanisms behind ASMR right like we have some of these Kind of early studies about showing an association with, like, your nervous system and your heart rate, but, like, what's actually going on in that kind of cascade where you start to feel that pleasant experience. Other people want to come up with a formal classification system, sort of the way that, like, synesthesia has been divided Mm. into several types Mm -hmm. and you can test for them really accurately. So we're, you know, that would require moving beyond this kind of binary of like, yes, no misophonia and identifying subtypes. Mm. But then the one that I thought was the coolest was Nick Davis, the guy who was very scared of ASMR on his university computer. He was like, I just want to know why the scalp is involved. Mm. He was like, the scalp has almost no sensory receptors. And he was like, it just doesn't make any sense that yeah. that is so Whoa. often where the ASMR cascade begins from, like, an anatomical perspective. And that blew me away.
3: Yeah,
0: that so, is
2: fascinating. So many things left to look into.
0: What I love so much about this package is that, like, there's so much information in it, but there's also so much that we don't know yet. And so many questions left to answer and and work to look forward to. So. Definitely pick up a copy of the Popsign Noise Issue. It's on newsstands now. It has a big balloon on it. Not just great stuff on ASMR in here. Amazing stories about mysterious unsolved sounds throughout history. And animals making impossible to hear, impossible to ignore noises. Why are baby cries impossible to ignore? Mm. That's a question we answer. If only. In this issue. Also, we talk about totally silent. Chambers, Mm. which are so creepy and so scary, as scary as as ASMR sounds for me. (laughs) Also, I love that one of our cover lines is the rowdiest dang frog on earth. I edited that one, and actually, Eleanor wrote that one as well. So, um,
2: pick it up. Yeah. Simlish oh, oh Simlish We also talk about how
0: Simlish was developed I Very get, important to
2: me That to every member in my family I, They bought an issue and I just kept opening it up And being like, did you read the Simlish one? <laughs> so we should end in Simlish, right? Yeah Goodbye <laughs> That was too much like a real word I know, I know, it's so hard to do What's They're geniuses they,
0: they talk about I gotta
2: badada but uh,
0: <laughs> They they talk about like a specific word that they <laughs> use.
2: soul so, so.
0: Yeah, oh yeah, there's soul so. soul.
2: I love it so much. Yeah, and much. it became
0: the equivalent of Aloha, a general happy greeting. But if it's Aloha, it can also mean goodbye. goodbye so, soul soul. Soul soul. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Let us know through the usual channels what you thought of this episode. You can send us a voice message. You can talk to us on our Facebook group. You can tweet us at weirdest underscore thing. And we'll be back next week with a usual episode. Thanks for listening, weirdos. The Weirdest Thing I Learned this week is a popular science podcast. We're available on all major podcast platforms, so subscribe wherever you're listening now. And if you like what you hear, please rate and review us on iTunes. It helps other weirdos find the show. You can buy our merch, including Weirdest Thing t-shirts, tote bags, and mugs at popside.threadless.com. Our show is produced by all of our hosts, including me, Rachel Feltman, and our editors, Jess Bodie and Jason Letterman. Our theme music is by Billy Cadden. If you have questions, suggestions, or weird stories to share, tweet us at weirdest under
1: in just a few taps because when it comes to getting the most out of your home you can do this when you angie that download the free angie mobile app today or visit angie.com that's a-n-g-i dot com you need parts o'reilly auto parts has parts